The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. So you've applied to every arts grant under the sun. But maybe all those YouTube plays are really just your mum. You learn lines all night and wait tables by day. Or maybe you've made it. But can't help reading what the trolls have to say. Well, we say thank you for sharing the things that you make. Thank you for sharing the joys and the heartbreaks. Thank you for sharing the darkness as well as the light. Feel free to be funny, sarcastic, or sad, or uncertain, or exceedingly polite. Honestly, honesty is the best policy. Sharing your truth can bring love or hilarity. Somebody listening might just begin to share too. Thank you for sharing. Welcome to Thank You For Sharing, a podcast to open up conversations with artists about mental health and self-care. So normally the form of this podcast will be a one-on-one conversation with me and a fellow artist discussing their particular personal journey and just really delving deep into that. This week, however, I'm so excited to announce that we are launching with two Edinburgh Fringe roundtable specials. That's right, it's August, the sun is shining. Oh, that sun is shining a lot. And artists and creators from all over the world have gathered in Edinburgh for the 2018 Edinburgh Fringe Festival, now in its 71st year. Now, the Edinburgh Fringe experience can be one of extreme highs and extreme lows. The extreme highs are, it's an opportunity to share your unique creative expressions at a highly celebrated and busy festival for an entire month. And you're surrounded by a community of inspiring performers, both familiar and new. More than one guest already has described it as Disneyland for the arts, which sounds pretty awesome. And it can be one of extreme lows too. Uh, There's a lot of financial pressure, you can get disappointing attendance, bad reviews, and just a generally exhausted and drained mind and body. So, through our chats, we're going to discuss why creatives choose to go to the Edinburgh Fringe each year, what they love about what they do, and their personal challenges that they've had to face at the Fringe, how they overcame them, and what they'll put into practice this year to have the most fun and most healthy Fringe experience they can. Episode 1, Part 1, is a discussion with Jen Wakefield and Joz Norris. Jen Wakefield is a character comedian, performer, blogger, writer and radio host. You might have recently seen her as part of Channel 4's Riot Girls team. In this one-off episode, the Riot Girls highlighted gender inequality and prejudice through pranks and outrageous stunts from dodgy male hygiene to period blood cupcakes. And I... Bloody loved it, and I really, really hope there will be more episodes. The first episode is still on 4OD, so go check it out. She also has a BBC Radio 1 podcast coming out later on this year called The Comeback, where comedians get the chance to deliver the comeback they always wanted, Jen describing it as comedy therapy. As well as being a regular on the stand-up scene, Jen has a YouTube channel, Jen Double, and has had regular presenting and radio host work across a variety of different channels. She premiered her first solo show, Girl in the Corner, last year, exploring her experiences as a mixed-race woman in Britain today. She's performing in Whippet this year at the Edinburgh Fringe, and here she is to tell us a little bit more about it. I called it Whippet because the idea is it's like work in progress it, but it's also, it will actually be a kind of 
set half hour with a structure still yeah it's just in my head it's something between what a fully formed show last year and a fully formed idea i've got next year and it's like this is my voice half an hour slice that's going to go in between but mm. hi i'm still here if you want to come and see me um it's my voice mostly i've got 10 minutes of um my character which is a grime character who you did the full show of last year yes yeah she was my ma- my sort of main... sticking character um her name is Natasha G. Swanflex. She and is legendary. She is. I've seen some of her videos. Her videos. Oh, God. Yeah. But we've seen Natasha. And she um, she has an identity crisis, um, essentially. Or she has identity... She brings up her identity issues about her mixed-race background. Yeah. Um, and the Grime Outreach Programme, where she takes grime to hard-to-reach areas like Cheltenham um, with the Women's Institute. And she does grime raps about them. Yes. You, do, you did three or four songs within your show last year. Yes. Are there going to be more songs this yes, year? Yes. So, actually, this year, I've got 10 minutes as Natasha and then I actually have five songs in total which I do and four new raps completely which are about things that I want to talk about as Jen. Full details of Whippet and all of Jen and Joz's performances this year will be listed at the end of our chats. Our second guest is Joz Norris. Joz Norris is an award-winning comedian, actor and writer who will be performing his seventh Edinburgh Fringe show this year. His shows are ranged from character shows to what he describes as solo stand-up, nonsense, storytelling, conceptual theatre shows, really pushing the boundaries of what a traditional stand-up show can be. He's a frequent collaborator with the well-known Heroes of the Fringe and the Weirdos Collective. The list of his writing and acting collaborations on short films, radio, sketch shows, pilots is endless and hugely impressive. Check out his website www.josnorris.co.uk for all the details and he's written and starred in his own web series which was nominated at the LA Web Series Festival. He's taking up two shows to Edinburgh this year. The first is Timmy, a two-hander play written and performed by Roxy Dunn in which Joz co-stars. It's about a couple and it's about... It's a series of conversations really between this couple and the difficulties they go from and the problems they have communicating with each other and expressing things with each other. Joz will also be performing his own solo show. Joz Norris has no show this year, but Mr Fruit Salad does. So it got really burnt out and couldn't, it, it couldn't enjoy performing very much this year and then happened to buy a fake beard and a hat in February for a completely separate show and then thought I'll try performing in the fake beard and the hat and some sunglasses and see if I can perform while disguised like Mr John Kern it's been years so he had exactly the same thing where he put the wig on and the teeth and suddenly opened up so much and I think I think there's a big trend of performers who just suddenly struggle with this thing of like, I don't know how to communicate authentically with this audience because this <sighs> yeah. entire experience is fake, so how can I be authentic? And I think sometimes you just need to trick yourself and go, I know it's fake, so I need to acknowledge it's fake in a ridiculous way, like wearing a beard. Or So at the mm. moment, it's very much, it's my, it's my version of that, I think, or the same thing that goes back to like Tony Clifton and all things like that as well. So it's very much not a new idea that I'm doing whatsoever this year. It's quite a derivative thing. But no, it's just me it's having fun. Yeah, it's, it's me finding a way back to having fun on stage having struggled a bit this year so I play a character called Mr Fruit Salad who knows he's a character but has tried to write a solo show despite the fact that he knows I I invented him (laughs) and he will also be busy popping up in delightful cameos in other shows across the fringe which I will list at the end of the show Joz and Jen are fabulous artists, fabulous friends, and I learned so much from our chats so let's just jump on over to the chats enjoy (laughs) 
FYI, we recorded this at the National Theatre, uh, where I am thoroughly enjoying working as an usher at the moment. Uh, so when I mentioned Denise Goth and that she spent a lot of time here, that's what I'm referring to. Um, also, I reference a different show, a show we're going to be talking about a lot more next week uh, with the incredible Helen Monks, dear, dear Helen Monks. She is um, doing an amazing show this year called You've Been Fringe. It's at the, just the tonic at the caves just up the road on August 9th, 16th and 23rd at midnight. There'll be way more information on that show next time. Um, but just so you know, that's what we refer to when we talk about Helen's show. Uh, but you can Google it already and look it up in advance. And now here we go. Um, guys, what do you love most about this? What, what are you, why are you doing this? Why, the, why is this your life? The fringe or, or the whole <laughs> no, just the whole, shebang. the whole shebang. You both of you, yeah, um, investing and creating these really awesome character shows and then fusing yourself into it. And you may have, like, favourite aspects to what you do that may change. Like, sometimes you might love doing this aspect. You're both really busy, um, impressive artists. And just, so what, what makes you get up and go, this is what I want to spend my days doing? Jules or Jen? Me, um, which which three letters? <laughs> yeah, we got the name three person. Should right go now. first. Um, two Jens and Jules. You go first. Okay, I I think why do I do it? I think your your understanding of why you do it changes a lot as you go through it because I think it's inevitable that at some point quite early on you do it because you think it's going to be a very glamorous, exciting life because all you see. Well, I mean, I grew up watching comedy and loving comedy and watching sitcoms and then mm, fell in love with stand-up at uni and you watch things on telly and you watch comedy films and comedy TV shows and you get very excited about that. And I guess somewhere in your head, because those are the things, the things that have inspired you, there's something that goes, maybe I want to do this because I want to end up on telly or I want, or I want to do it on the biggest kind of platform possible or I want it to make me famous or whatever. And I think that's there in your head when you start. And then the longer you do it, you sort of chip away at... Uh, what that is because I think that's a very superficial thing until you get closer to what you're actually getting out of it and I think it's just a feeling that you or I find it's a feeling that I get in myself whenever I make a thing and you want to try and communicate that feeling to as many people as possible and that actually doesn't mean becoming famous or doing it to the hugest possible audience it means doing it as best you can while remaining authentic to what you want to do and yeah. while maintaining that feeling in yourself and you want to do it on as big a platform as you can get to realistically but I think for me it's just about finding a way of communicating a feeling to an audience and trying to oh Ben Tarje is a really good friend of mine and a great mm. comedian and one of my favourite people because he has such an interesting brain and he said um, he did an interview on the Comedians Comedian podcast recently where he said the, the idea is that nobody can ever actually understand what's going on in somebody else's head ever but comedy is sort of your attempt to show people a glimpse of the filter that you see things through yeah, and you just try really, really hard to do. go this is sort yeah. of how I understand it and I just want to share it with you people if I can um, and I think that's it it's trying to give this tiny little insight into your head so that it feels like that thing you've got right in the middle has been put somewhere else yeah. and you feel like you've got it out there and I think the more you do it the more you realise that everything else surrounding that and they're like maybe I can do it as a career and maybe mm. I can do really well out of it but all that kind of falls away until what you've got left is I just care about this thing and it's the thing that makes me feel the most 
Charles, I think that's, yeah. Exactly. And I love that you've d- add that. So that's an overly thoughtful answer, but no, I, I like, think about it a lot. I want that like put on my wall. Like that's as a kind of like reminder. And because I used to get that as well, this kind of this need and desire to share mm. share it with as many people as possible. Yeah, yeah. And that that makes sense because um, because you care about it. But yeah, and you want to do well. But your focus saying that actually making sure that you focus on just the fact of doing that like yeah. the authenticity and the connection and the sharing even if it's just two people in the room I think that's the thing that's yeah it's it always is. got to be an authentic expression of what you've got right in the middle of your head and I think yeah. a lot of people that that can mean all sorts of different things so I mean I think you can go onto a sort of a, a huge platform and be able to do really good work on that and still remain authentic to yourself mm, but it's yeah. working out what is it actually and am I actually being the best version of what I want to be mm. And where do I go in order to do those things? I think it's just sifting through the versions of what you could be. And in terms of like actually not getting that immediately, Mm. actually probably is the best thing because it makes you go back to those basics. Yeah. Fantastic. Jen, yeah, completely different or completely the same Um, or mixed? A mixture. mixture. There's some things I really ring true in there. I think for me, um, I grew up wanting to do performing and didn't really take that route in the end uh, when it came to the cho- choice of going to university it was like dad shall I I want to go and do drama and dad was like why don't you be a primary school teacher <laughs> so, <laughs> so then that's oh, dad. what I did um, so yeah dad dad rooted me dad, down that route dad was worried about your yeah. dad we worried, could have a whole conversation about parents, yeah. parents. Yeah. we're going to do that exactly yeah. um, so then became a primary school teacher yeah. and then became a drama teacher and um so was moving more and more. I always taught, even though I did primary teaching, I always wanted to do anything performing artsy outside in, in any expression I could. Yeah. So it, that it took the form of teaching dance to the kids or teaching drama I to the kids. I saw that on your website. It's so thorough and really impressive about how you expanded that teaching career and like built programs for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's something, and, I, and again, because I was really lucky that I got this, the second job I got was to build a drama department with another teacher and that way we got to create all our own curriculum and and in that way that started to even satisfy me even more mm. and actually um the the head of music at my school is was the is the wife of um a comedian called nick muhammad who you might know mm. Nick's great. yeah he's really cool and cool. um i didn't know who he was but i remember meeting him and then i think after like after a couple of years i, I realized i was like gosh nick does this a job and then i i turned 25 so i had this quarter life crisis moment where i was like <laughs> if i don't do something soon like I feel like I need I just my main aim is to not die with any regrets basically so I but I always wanted to do all the things I was like I love radio I love music Mm. I love the idea of doing presenting and and teaching there's a lot of that anyway I find Um, and I love the idea of being an actress so I just went and did all these short courses and just did a fringe you know I I went into a little fringe theatre and I did you know I did all this, all these, all these little things to try and build on what I thought I could maybe do, mm-hmm. um, and ended up leaving teaching, doing supply. And I thought, if I do supply, I'll just become available at any point. And one of these things, you know, hopefully I can do one of these many things. So that's how it began. Yeah. As it's gone on, I've actually realised that my comedy is. Um, well, I, I love being a teacher because you know it's a nice way of making an impact and contributing. Although it, mm. I, I know I know for a fact that I've got friends who are incredible teachers and they do it as a vocation and they are fantastic. And what I have, there's certain parts of that that are missing, missing for me because I, what I was good at was because I was a creative person. Yeah. And so I found it frustrating that I couldn't fully express myself. Now I now I do this. I can. It's it's a form of expression for me, but it's also a bit of a campaign. Like I have. Yes. I, I feel really passionately about diversity yeah. representation. Mm. 
uh, mainly those two things and coming from a mixed background yeah. it kind of gives you that I think that you know being a bit white and a bit brown essentially <laughs> is what I, the simplest way I put it in my comedy it gives you that liminality to sort of step into both worlds and having experienced all these different things from being you know an undercover kind of melanin passport girl I call it you know where sometimes when you're white passing people say things and when you're brown people say things and it's a completely underrepresented feel as all so many things are and hence why diversity is just the campaign of the moment yeah. and it's like but I saw yeah your video on mixed race um you know things that, that oh, yeah. people say to you <laughs> yeah. and I remember when you first told me about the show and I was like yeah like nobody's talking about this we need people yeah I mean it, people do it in different forms I guess yes, like yeah and I think doing it through comedy has been a challenge because sometimes I'm like how do I take this point and actually make it funny you know so yeah, that people yeah, yeah. don't feel that they're being preached at so for me it's it's a it's a form of expression mm. creatively mm. it's a campaign I carry you know everyone has I think it's really good for everyone to have a campaign of some sort not like to be that. outraged by everything but have something maybe you can talk about yeah. Um, and it's also um, a way of making sure I don't die with, that, with any regrets, basically. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> and I wonder, you could almost say underpinning comedy, like a bit like you were saying, that there is almost this campaign of kind of um, truthful connection about like, comedy unveils that perspective and that yeah. weird way of seeing things and mm. that we all kind of share and that's like yeah. that becomes a sub campaign for all other campaigns that spring out of it exactly and I think the filtered thing makes a lot of sense you know that whole mm. like, th- element of like this is how this yeah is this how is how I see things and yes. if I can try and show you a bit of that then exactly. I feel like I've got some sort of point across and you don't need to yeah. kind of convince everybody of your opinion or to, for them to think that you're Right, or that your way of seeing the world is the correct way of seeing the world, exactly. or whatever. It's just yeah. trying to express a thing in a way that other people go, "Oh yeah, I get that." Yeah, exactly. I understand you what so you're relatable. trying to articulate. Mm. And then you're not alone. You know, yeah. and you get people coming up after the show and being like, "It found it funny because it resonates." Yeah, yeah. You know? I find um, you sure. have a weird. The stuff that I've loved the most in comedy is stuff where I feel like. I've understood it in a way that nobody else in the room has. And probably there are loads of people in the room thinking that. But when when you're yeah. able to watch something that speaks to a bit in you that goes, oh, I have the frame of reference that I think I got that. Yes. And then I think that's the best sort of work is it gets you in a way that you think it's only spoken to you. But probably yes. it's done exactly the same for everybody in the room. But yeah. somehow you feel like you've really seen into someone's world in a way. Yes. And I feel like I get it more from comedy, not necessarily from stand-up, but more from comedy than from theatre or film or whatever but it might just be because that's the medium I gravitate towards mm. but I feel like it's a it's a more tangible feeling in comedy when you go oh I, I know what you mean I understand how you feel about that mm. I guess because in a way people are saying things as themselves mm. even when it's character comedy it feels more direct than a play does or a film does yeah that's interesting yeah so you feel like you're getting to the heart of somebody in some way Yes. Yeah, it is the ultimate vulnerable exposing thing. It's yes. so funny when I was doing it, I'm not doing it as much anymore. Um, but the main thing people said was like, how do you do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you get that so much. You're so brave, everyone says. Yeah. This is the easiest thing. For me. Well, it's not. It's kind of tricky, but well, it's so much yeah. easier than so many other things that to me seem exhausting and hard yeah I think it becomes easy I think it becomes easier maybe as you go doesn't it as well like I find that it has helped knock out apart I do have I have I have crisis crisis moments where Mm. I get the kind of wobbles and anxiety Mm -hmm. what what do people think of me am I rubbish but generally as I'm going along I think 
whether this is good or not, it's helping me to, to knock out the I need to be liked and actually properly form an opinion because you can be such a fence sitter, especially in careers like teaching. I think sometimes you're like, I don't want to upset anyone. And, you know, when you're teaching RE, you're encouraged to say, most people do this, some people do this, and it becomes your life vocabulary. Like, mm. you know, I, this is how I think, but I see everyone's point of view, especially oh, as a liberal person. So yeah, yeah. Whereas now I'm like, well, I have to form opinions if I'm going to have something good to say on stage. Yeah. And someone described it once as like being a bit more dog- dogmatic or whatever, but I think it's like, well, it's, it's encouraged me to have some fully formed opinions and not to just have fence sitter things to say all the time. Mm. And actually, that means, and, I, and it feels truthful. It's like, and, and I don't, it's knocked that thing out of me of being like, I just don't want to be everyone's cup of tea and I, and I don't care. Yes. Yeah. I don't actually care. I don't want to, like people often say in comedy, you know, build your audience slowly. And Adil Sukan said it really in a, in a talk I was at recently. She said, you know, it's a good marketing for comedy, she says, is about keeping people in and keeping people out. And it yeah. really resonated with me that sense of like. Yeah, finding shit. the right audience yeah. not the biggest audience yeah and in order to do that if you're going to have people in people out you have to have something proper to say that isn't going to fit everybody yeah and mm. it's really encouraged me and in in some way that sense of not being liked and saying what i really feel has actually relaxed me if that you makes sense improv um because you and i yeah met the phrases yeah doing those monologues and oh, i yes. got i'm doing harold now and i noticed that um in the have you done harold never yet? done proper <gasps> improv training Does, i've done lots so of about on stage where I don't know what I'm doing, which I've only learned <laughs> recently is not is not what improv is. Improv is much well, this one, smarter so and this, harder than that. This one is a gamey one, but you open with it's long like, form, isn't it? Harold? Yeah, long form and finding the game with the scene. But you open with these monologues, and I was recognised. I was like never putting myself up for them, and I it was exactly the same thing you were saying. It's like I am that person who's like. Because the idea is to give really solid opinions, so because it's funny and you can find characters mm. and point of views in that. But I am that person that's like, oh, you know, it's all right. Like some people like it, and but it's forced me to do that in a similar mm. way to you. And I love that that you you're right that it's it, it actually then doing this comedy is helping you just as people in life day to day owning your truth and not yes. being afraid to kind of assert that assert that exactly. I yeah. grew up with like quite an. Uh, opinionated dad my dad is still a very opinionated (laughs) and you know with mainly it was my dad my brother and me growing up so I think um I'm used to the reason why you know we'll often debate now and he's he we listen to each other much better now and and I but I think what what I'm trying to do is I I feel like that bit of dad comes out in me which I don't mind sometimes my dad will say things and I'm like oh you can't say that but he does have really good perception I think it's just that bit of the bit that's it's that liberal bit of me which is like oh god that's such a big sweeping opinion but I think I'm just yes. trying to make sure now if I say something I just have back up like just mm. back it up with information like yeah. be read around and make sure you're talking a bit of sense from somewhere yeah. you know so if true. you're going to have those strong opinions I guess yeah or, or strongish maybe like you know not like a korma not like a fall but like a child crazy <laughs> opinion <laughs> well yes and because uh, to be honest again that's that another thing whereas you know one of my favourite qualities in people is the kind of ability to you know to have your their minds open and changed and mm. like, but in what you're doing you're coming out on a show with this thing so you are kind of giving people that option in the audience you're like presenting something mm. and will you come along with me and um, will you not I love chatting to you guys so much and I'm just going to do a quick yeah recording's good that's my anxiety <laughs> and time no time I said to Jen we'd keep this short it's not going to happen right. but <laughs> it's a long one I mean I'm going to try and crack on with my questions so um, yeah so the fringe this is a fringe themed episode you're both taking as we've discussed shows to the fringe um, why do you think um, uh, so many people go to the fringe each year uh, why are you going what is, what is it about 
the fringe. I'm going. Oh, so mine was a bit of a weird one because it was not going to happen, and then it, it did. So I think said, in yeah. um, the reason why I suddenly changed my mind was I suddenly remembered everything that I loved about it, and actually the vast majority of it is really good and is a positive thing. Um, and I kind of thought all my friends and the people I not all my friends, but the vast majority of my friends are going up there with shows, and they're mm. shows that I've seen them develop over the year. And I'll miss out on this month where they actually deliver their show and I get to see what the end goal of all my friends' work was. And going and seeing all this stuff, I think, really inspires your own brain and kind of informs what you want to do for the next year because you go, oh, wow, I really loved that thing. It'd be lovely to do something that feels like that or it might just steer you on different paths. And there's all these kind of creative things it opens you up to and all these social things it opens you up to in terms Mm -hmm. of being there with your friends and making things. Uh, And the thing I got exhausted of was just the competitiveness of it I think and the ego and the corporateness of it and I kind of thought I just need a year away from that because I got tired of myself but I think you can they're actually really easy to ignore those things so my reason for going up is just it's such a great place to see people who really care about what they do doing it on on a a big scale for a month and being there with your friends I think it's great yeah I Um, yeah We'll come back to those yeah, points yeah. about yeah, I guess the different they're, things. They're a separate question. I love that about being inspired by the people's work as well and seeing stuff that you never thought you'd see. Yeah, yeah I'm with Jos on like being there for for me if I wasn't a performer it's all the things I love anyway it's like yeah. Disneyland yeah, for yeah, yeah. it is because yeah, it's all so comedy theatre so you know it, I love being it, it really is my favourite time of year for the fact that you can just every day see so many things you want to see and just indulge that without having the, the chaos of London you're just mm. in one place you're there but again I guess for me being truthful it is, it is for opportunities mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. you know I've, I'm really lucky that I've been able to do a free fringe again this year and it's to showcase yeah. opportunity uh, you know work out what opportunities are there I was really lucky again last year that you know I, I was in Soho Young Company and so they taught us about how to you know do a good press release and mm. and did all that with some, with help of brilliant people around not paying for it or anything and opportunities came without from I was so lucky last year like Bish, I don't know if you know the Bish Kay Ali she's great she put me on a, a list and sent it to produce because it was a list of women of colour people women of colour shows yeah. and you know so because of that like people came and yeah. I've just worked out that I've had all these amazing women help me some of yes. them who I didn't know yeah. and so people came to my show like the producer of Riot Girls came and yes. I didn't know she was coming and you know people recommended me and people came and I, it wasn't something I'd set up necessarily so it was I just my endeavour was just to do a good show every day practice yeah. getting better at performing every day and as a result, good things came. Great. Um, this year, I've got a few more people I would like to invite, and I'm not bothered about reviews or quotes or anything. I just want to have make contacts with people who are already in the industry that I know and see good see friends shows and just have a great time. I think it's also really nice for your own sort of self esteem and your sense of what you're doing that for a month. And this will sound really stupid to anybody listening who has an actual job, <laughs> but like it feels like a job for a month of your oh, life because yes, I think yeah, yeah. even at the run. most busiest time of year, most of the rest of the time, you know that this time next week you're going to be sitting around not doing very much because of the nature of the work we do you'll have days go by where you have to sort of scrabble around to make money to pay rent or you'll have days where you just have no appointments Mm. or no Mm. things to do and they can get quite hard and you can kind of go what's the next thing going to be and what's the next project and how do I kickstart it and how do I 
yeah. pay rent or whatever. But Edinburgh is so nice because you get up and you know you need to be in this place at this time mm. every single day for a month, and then after that you're gonna have this and you have this, yeah. and you know everyone's around you, so it becomes this kind of community office space. Yes. The whole city is this like I know so and so is gonna be there at this time, so yeah, I can go and see them, so and so right. and so is there. And you can finally have like that drink with that person that you could yeah, never have in that you London can never see because you're too busy. Yeah. What are we talking about like yeah. actually getting the opportunity to yeah. see everyone. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's it's weird. We have to we have to go to another city in order to be able to actually like hang out with each other. Yeah, exactly. Like it, I think it imposes this this structure on you that just the rest of the time when you're in this business you don't really have and it's yeah. actually it's lovely yeah it's really great, great. I, I need to go on yeah soon Definitely. um uh quickly just just a gut instinct response favorite fringe memory something when i say the fringe uh your image what if you have a brain like me yeah like what what image do you go to where he's like that was fun Oh, for me, like, I was really lucky that my first year I went, um, my friend, so I did Logan Murray's Stand Up and Deliver course, and then my friend Vicky did it the sec- after me, and then we joined and made a sketch group. Yeah. And when she was on that course, she met two of the guys from the sketch group Beasts, and so they were like, do you want to come and do a little cameo bit in our show? For our, fir- our first year up there, we did like what I call a foundation year, we made a sketch duo, we wrote a show, we did a, we did a little thing in a little room that no like one really knew. Yeah, a foundation year, foundation course <laughs> year, exactly. And they had a, we did a little extra part in their show every day. Oh. And oh, nice. um, where we met people like Sleeping Trees, and, yeah, you yeah. know, met other comics like just um, lovely, lovely people who who we're now friends with. So, one, it was just cracking that for our first year there, we were just given this lovely opportunity because they needed some people to help them. We got a pleasant pass, so we loved that. And we met, we made friends with so many people, and we used to go on every day and do this ending where we'd basically be a choir and like I'd bring on a Vianetta and you know we do stupid <laughs> right. things. Fun. Yeah, and then I remember like like aggressively eating it afterwards like to numb the pain of the fringe like putting my fist in it like, every day and being like hi guys um, not all fringe. of it right, no. right, right, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and like the, the people would come through the back of the pleasance and I'd be like hi and just no shame but like that was a that's a really treasure moment because that was a first fringe experience it was kind it was just so lucky that we were able to just have this fast track into making friends and yeah. have a bit of a community which I know for a fact we wouldn't have had that same experience if we hadn't had done that extras bit basically in that in their show so that's my that's Amazing. where I'd go I love that uh, mine is a show called The Object Lesson that I saw in 2014 that okay. is still the best thing I've ever seen in my life of anything like best wow. Wow. across any genre and it was just I was hanging out around Underbelly and a friend of mine who's up there she was up there with a theatre show she's a friend who's a designer and a stage manager and things uh, so we normally don't go and see the same stuff I normally go and see comedy she goes to see theatre um, but we hung out a bit while we were up there and she said oh I'm going to see this thing if you want to go and see it and I would never have stumbled into it otherwise if yeah. I hadn't happened to have seen it and I went to see it and it's the funniest thing and the saddest yeah. thing and the most imaginative thing and the last 20 minutes of it are one 20 minute magic trick that was the scariest thing I've ever seen anybody do because I just couldn't explain how he'd done it it went on for ages wow uh, and I've never seen anything like it since and I've watched it online since because he put it online and I've tried to show it to people and they've all gone wow that's pretty what's special it? What's, what's it's called it? The Object Lesson I think it's now been taken down you can oh, only get highlights from Jules, it Jules you're teasing I know us. I'm sorry just notice what but, Jules um, as well as his uh, million billion talents is a magician oh my god oh well. terrible <laughs> magician like <laughs> children's <laughs> children's magic for like three years. get that on your website yeah Jules. no I should <laughs> they are tough actually they see through stuff but that was really nice I think partly just because it's the best thing I've ever seen so I just associate it as like what a great thing but also as just a reminder of like 
night there are probably loads of shows at the fringe like that that would have done the same thing to me yeah. and I just happened to walk into that one and it was a nice reminder that there's so much weird stuff going on at the fringe mm. everywhere and yeah. whatever you happen to choose to take a punt on might end up being the That's most incredible so thing true. you've ever seen yeah. and I just wandered into that I was like yeah this sounds interesting yeah. and then had it completely change my brain yeah. it was fantastic so that's my favourite fringe memory I love it um yeah and that's made me think of another question I want to answer you in a minute adding to the list so, so this is interesting so what I'm hearing is a bit of mixed things so I'm hearing like there's hmm. this amazing camaraderie and that actually camaraderie is one of the things that helps you survive there um, and yeah like cameos in each other's shows you're going, yeah, you're going to be in lots of yeah I'm doing some little year, bits in other people's things this year which again at the end I'll do a epilogue at the end of go and see all these things <laughs> um, same for you Jen um, but yeah but also you mentioned earlier competitiveness um, yeah. so to feed into that so biggest challenges you have faced at the fringe can we talk a little bit about that dynamic and how you survive through that and kind of tips on how you can let the competitiveness go a bit and then also uh, just general challenges personal challenges you've already talked about you kind of wanted to take a break last year maybe if you don't mind talking yeah. a bit about that but yeah mm. would you want to start um it's it's there's such a big element of it now that is about how well you sell things i think and i think that's come from a good thing in that it is at its heart there is a really good thing where people share their work and like you say opportunities open up from that and producers see your work and then say oh come and work on this thing or whatever and that's a great thing like it's important that people that the fringe exists as a platform for people to get their work seen by other people and opened up but I think that's been over many many years and very very gradually it's become very corporatized to the fact that to the point that we're now where a lot it feels like that's the point sometimes and it feels like so much of whether you're having a good fringe is did you sell out today? Mm. Did you get a good review today? Did you have enough papers in or enough producers in or enough, all that kind of thing? And I think it's all caught up with just how society works now in that we are now more plugged into the social media thing and there's that whole mm. thing of you only ever see the good bits of other people's lives oh, yeah. while experiencing all well, of you. So you'll see people going, <laughs> yeah, it's such a like, it's all caught up now with just how we live on our phones and things. Yeah. But you will see people go five stars from so-and-so or sold out today and all that kind of thing. And you'll always me measure it against how you did today. And I think trying to remember that none of that is the point of why you're there is really yeah. important to do, but very hard to do mm -hmm. because of because you're constantly staring at it. So I think trying to get off... I might try and do a fringe just not looking at my phone. I, I think that would be great. And only going apps, on the internet yeah. when I'm at home and when I have... Because there's always work you need to do at the fringe, so you yeah. will need to go online. Yeah. But I might try and just not have my phone with me because it's... Yeah. Because I think that's the thing. It's when you let other people's fringes into your head and you start to measure yourself against other people's fringes or what you see of other people's fringes, the kind of the highlights mm -hmm. you see of other people's fringes. Mm. And the fact that you're on a bit of a roller coaster ride where sometimes you feel great and sometimes you feel it's tough and sometimes you feel it's hard and you feel like you're the only person having that experience and everyone mm. else must just be having a great time. So you're always measuring yourself. Yeah. And I think that's tough. Well, and hopefully that Helen's night you've been fringed again. Yeah, that sounds a lovely thing. Well, it sets up a dynamic to have these sorts of conversations. Yeah. So if you delete the stuff off your phone and yeah. then you're kind of like just living day to day and then also remembering, yeah, like you're not alone. Probably every single person at yeah, the Yeah, I think feels the same. It's yeah. feeling the same and why you're there in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I am... Um, the competitiveness thing, of course, I've definitely had feelings when I've been up there of like, oh my God, this happened to this person, this happened to this person. Um... 
so maybe those feelings have cropped up but I feel like maybe going into it a bit later on like having done a teaching career first and then coming mm. later on helps me a little bit in a few ways like I guess I realise that I guess just keeping in mind that it's a long game I, yeah. I think helps mm. me to be like it's okay like there is room for everyone on the boat I know that sounds like you know I'm trying to be some sort of Ma- mass philosopher on this I've, I definitely have those we, feelings this is what we yeah but like also um, <laughs> my awesome. one of my really good friends Vicky Sargent who's brilliant she's got a play this year yeah. um, going up called Old Souls and she's she's wonderful and we started our sketch group, sketch group together and she introduced me to this wonderful lady called Brené Brown who you might know literally um, her books have got me through some yes. of my hardest times so, so yeah, she she talks about like showing up and being seen and yeah. she's a shame and vulner- vulnerability researcher yeah. and so she talks about like basically how the wholehearted live um, and essentially, you know, like talking about shame, being vulnerable, like not numbing. You can't selectively numb things. So like you mm. can't numb things out of you. If you're going to numb out an experience and be like, I can't feel that, you cu- then you numb joy, then you numb everything yes. else. Yeah. So you kind of have to feel it. But like this this element of this really, I know it's, we've come back to this authenticity thing, but like mm. I just feel like in when I reflect back in my teaching any t- or any any experience I've had so far, and so I'll be I'll be 30 in Edinburgh this year. So this is like Woo-hoo. my, I had five, so far, six years of teaching. Yes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. and you can plug it on the podcast oh, everyone can come um, and then like this is my second but I feel like when I evaluate and reflect back on all those things the best things have happened to me from being truthful from yes. just being honest and when I haven't been authentic when I've been caught up in other people's bullshit or other, or wanting to be part of this crowd or this crowd or this clique which is something I find difficult about comedy and performing that's something I find tricky or have found tricky before not so much anymore um, because I think there are little things that form and you feel like you're an outsider of those and that's more what I get insecure have had insecurities about yeah and it's funny isn't it because comedians I guess kind of we all because we're common slightly it depends on your comedy and that commenting on the world you're kind of we're all outsiders in a way because you're Mm. kind of painting yeah this perspective and that you are but I think I've realized that what it is is that just people come up with different people that's all it is it's like they're they're, they're a collective of people because they're their mates they come up with and that's fine that's something I used to struggle with but just coming back to that element of authenticity like I just had this moment I think last year of like what Brené Brown or someone else maybe it was Oprah or someone said like (laughs) you you, you surrender you give up and you you basically surrender and you say look I'm just not in control of all this and um, if I'm just true to myself like you just you've kind of got to be happy I'm going to be happy with what comes my way because I think that will be rewarded and so that's how I I I do experience the feelings because I'm a human being and it does happen but this general philosophy that was brought to me by kind of the work of Brené Brown and and those kind of people makes me kind of be like okay a bit more okay with it I think you know that's great that's their success and it, whatever I'm experiencing, it will come in its own way. And sometimes, it's fine. like you were saying, you know, if you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. Yeah. I know comedians who've done, you know, their first shows. I think Susan Kalman was talking about it. You know, she took up the first two shows and uh, she got the worst reviews, like, and mm. the worst feedback. And then she actually said, you know, the more I just invested in being truthful mm. to myself. And, like, nobody can be Jos Norris. Nobody can be Jen Wakefield. Mm. No, in comedy, like, nobody yeah. can do you. Yeah. So you've got, like, that that joy and trust and yes yeah. but also in relation to like what you're saying about the competitive things if I see it in other people so I, I feel like I've got a good feel to like when people are bringing that to me that I just don't that yeah, energy or their, that, that conversation I don't like I don't really go back to them with that language I just mm. I don't block them out either I just divert it or because I think to myself it's okay like you, what you're saying is like that time that I waxed lyrical about all those things because I was feeling insecure. You know, and so, yeah, yeah it, it, it usually there's is. Just, there's no point basing your own self-esteem on people that you know 
for whatever reason don't make you feel the right way or just don't mm. think about other people in the right way and I think yes. when you clock onto that and you go oh this particular environment isn't making me feel good mm. I shouldn't make myself dependent on this yes. scenario exactly that's and taken me a long time to learn yeah, it's like, hard. especially it's really if we're talking hard. about the kind of like losing the people pleasing thing yeah. yes. kind of just being able to uh, not yeah, yeah. Cut that energy. but I find the more like again cliche as it sounds the more truthful you are to yourself the more you have people in your life like that yeah. they're yeah. the people you spend because and the BS type of people you don't spend time with because it doesn't yeah. make you feel good and and you can I can sort of feel like I can see people who don't know themselves very well yet or trying to get there and that's okay not not in a critical way but it just takes work like it, that's that's an, that's a big part of the work you have to do in order to do what you're doing as well I would think. you say that that is like you know because we're talking about it and, and make it sound easy as pie but actually I mean for me personally it is it's like a daily thing I it's have practice. to work on the same as my comedy yeah. like to say I have to kind of that oh yeah oh no I'm going down that rabbit hole yeah again. and you start to catastrophize and you oh, worry about particular so friendships yeah. and you worry about particular things and then I find I project meaning onto things an awful lot I kind of assume that a particular exchange means that this person doesn't like me or means that people are not enjoying this thing about my work rather than Mm. just taking it as a fairly banal bland Mm. like you can have a show that you think meant this and the audience hated it in this way but actually it was just a perfectly normal show you can have a conversation where you think you're being judged a certain way and actually it's just a normal conversation Mm. I think you always bring your own fears of what people think of you to bear on quite ordinary interactions and try and read them that way and stepping outside of it being able to go oh that's That's my narrative of the situation but it's a lesson right when do we get taught this stuff like who do you know what I mean and we all have to kind of it's just daily practice isn't it we have to always it's like a constant training I think maybe there could be like a little ooh you could all gather on is it the mile or the mile I always get this confused the mile the mile mile. and do like some like morning yoga (laughs) there are good things like that I'm trying to swim a lot this fringe I've got a swimming club with a couple of other comedians we're going to try and find a good pool and go there and I know people who go to the beach they go to Portobello and do stuff there to get uh, out of the yeah, just kind of get out of Edinburgh, you and give there are people who breaks in the month, yeah, and trying to go up to Arthur's Seat or go up Calton Hill. Yes. I go up Calton Hill a lot because it's easy to get to. The Arthur's Seat takes like an hour. Oh, to I'm going to write top. that down. But Calton Hill's beautiful. Calton it's like a 20-minute walk, and you get this view of Edinburgh, and you're kind of removed from it, and you can just look at it. And it's a bit of exercise. Yeah, as well, yeah, yeah. You feel good about that. Yeah, because it's busy. Because you're marketing, performing, yes, running it's to different shows. Mm. It's so. I also found the other thing that really kind of wore me out the last couple of fringes the last couple of fringes there's been a point about halfway through where I really kind of hit rock bottom and got very upset and had to process a lot before I could do the second half then the second half was always very hard and it was always about vanity because I suddenly realised I think when you're surrounded by hundreds maybe thousands of people doing the same thing I think I'm always this, is, this might be just me or it might be a bigger thing but I find I'm always trying to justify to myself that what I do is, isn't is just about vanity and it is about I that know, kind I of really. thing about like yeah. oh I'm trying to express this feeling and get other people to share in this feeling or whatever but I find when you're surrounded by thousands of people all doing the same thing on the same platform and trying to kind of get the same yeah. things you realise actually that is a huge part of it and I yeah. can't pretend that it's not that I it's can't not, pretend yes. that I'm not here on some level because I think I'm great and I want people to see me and laugh at my jokes and enjoy my work and I can't deny that my ego plays a huge role in it and I find Edinburgh really challenging because it reminds me of that and I go I am actually partially here because I'm being selfish and because I think I'm important and I spend the rest of the year kidding myself not kidding myself but genuinely believing that there's more to it than that and about halfway through Edinburgh I always go there's no more to it (laughs) it's just ego 
and I don't think it's I don't think either of those are true I think yeah. it's this weird mixture of everything I think it has to be in order to get on so yeah. you have to yeah, have, you have to have that. what we were talking about imposter mm. syndrome like yeah. and oh no actually I've got something to yeah, say yeah I do want to be here yeah. and I do want to yeah. say this but I, I find about halfway through every Edinburgh I just get very exhausted myself and I kind of go why do I think audiences want this yeah well, and then especially I try and overcome it and go like a small I'm not sure what your experience has been Jos but especially when sometimes you know you're you're grafting so much and you, you get another three person audience and you oh, know no. actually you're Never so gra- that. <laughs> don't know what you're, don't know what you're talking about my audience is yeah. absolutely huge you it's those bits that yeah you work like, so hard oh, and then you go God. oh this this is it I did a play but I'm really glad this happened actually my first play out of drama school uh, I did an audience to was it two or three Maybe I think it was three. Two of them couldn't be asked about it. What the one person got up and stood, oh, and I was like, that's so oh, nice. "No, it's true." No, and it's but again, it's, it's but I, basically, I want to ask just quickly about that. You talking? Yeah, I'd be really interested to know these moments of exhaustion, like mm. and the moment um, after last year's fringe, like and you your moments as well of where it's where it gets too much. Mm. We were just having a conversation about like your backpack moment where oh, suddenly yeah. everything feels upon you. <laughs> what are your um, how did you get through those? Uh, and it, we we built this toolkit on this podcast. So like you mentioned, Brené Brown, um, and it could just be people you shared it with, or um, experiences like walking up. Um, what was it called? Carlton, Carlton Hill is lovely, Hill. isn't it? Mm. Yeah, just uh, just any tip. Like how, I'd be really interested to know how you personally, uh, because we're all different. Like how did you cope with that? You know. I found last year I I came back and I already I was very tired and I knew I I kind of knew I wasn't going to do the fringe next year and then I did a gig uh, awful gig really horrible club gig Saturday night gig and I'm not good at club gigs because I get scared of the audience and that's not a good vibe to go in with to be like I'm already frightened (laughs) of these people uh, yeah. So how am I going to entertain them? But I did a gig where something fell over after I started and the MC came on and picked it back up after I'd started my set and then went, carry on. And I went, oh, I'll just go off and come back on and try and reset the whole thing. And as I left, I pointed to one of the audience and went, do you reckon I can do it this time? And she said, no, don't think you can. And I said, why not? And she said, uh, you don't seem confident enough to do this job. And I completely <gasps> agreed with her. Wow. I 100% agreed with wow. her. And after that gig, I just didn't book any gigs in for about <gasps> oh, six months. Just because I suddenly went, this isn't good for me, actually. If it makes me this scared. Yeah. So I continued doing the gigs that I was asked to do. Yeah. Because they were always run by friends and I knew I'd have a nice time at them. But I stopped putting myself in a position where I needed to impress somebody. Because whenever you ask for a gig and you go, can I come and do this? It means on some level you're auditioning really you're kind of going there and you want to try and show yourself off and I realised actually I'm getting more out of sort of writing and acting work at the moment and trying to slightly remove myself from live audiences so I'll keep doing the live shows Mm. that my friends book me for and I'll just try and cut myself off from it yeah. And I think that helped a lot. And I'm now trying to do more again. I'm trying to sort of go back into it. So yeah, so having like a breathing space. Just a bit of a break. And, and it a doesn't kind of a... mean you're going to stop. Like yeah, if I did something with improv. I think you like, assume yeah. that if you stop, you become invisible and nobody will remember you mm. or want you back. But yeah. like there's nobody out there waiting for any of us to do anything really, which I think is a really liberating thing. Like even at the higher end of things, the number of people out there waiting for like a particular famous comet to do a particular thing it's pretty small like I'm not sat around waiting for <laughs> I don't know Julian Barrett's next thing <laughs> Julian I love Barrett Julian Barrett <laughs> but you know it's just when, when somebody you admire brings out a thing you go oh cool I like them that's yeah, good but there actually yeah. aren't that many people out there going when are we going to see so and so do something yeah. again so whatever level you're at I think remembering that and going nobody cares it doesn't yeah. matter well, if, it's not, yeah. if it's working for me or if it's not working for me 
then that's all that matters at the moment, yeah. I think. Denise Goff, who worked here a lot, like, she did this whole podcast, uh, the Honest Actors podcast, all about taking this year in Siberia and just not getting anything. And then, like, yeah, just going to work with children and just going and, like, uh, learning about having a life like yeah. that yeah. she hadn't put any investment yeah. into. And I think that's so valuable. And now you're refired. And yeah, refired, and I enjoy it again now. Which yeah. is great. And going sorry, for walks yeah. as well. It's the other big thing. Love going Thank for a walk. Why? Why? What is it about walks? Um, just love green spaces. Love walking yeah. around a green space. Because it kind of... Uh, but specifically within cities. I really love parks in cities. I like really? being in a natural space that's surrounded by people. And there are all these people around it who... Mm could choose to go into this and green space if they probably gravitating to it more, yeah, more they're in all today's probably world where well. we're like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we need, yeah. To, need to go and remember this thing so I just love walking around parks That's, where I do most of my thinking yeah. good love and it. again having that space Ellie mentioned on the last um, interview I did about um, dream time like just, just thought space and dream time yeah. to just Jen, yeah. tell yeah. me about your tips and my your, tips and, and process through really breakdown. low times. Yeah, um, yeah so yeah, but I have definitely had them. I had them at the fringe. I kind of got sucked into the bubble. And I, last year, an example like I'll just give a couple of quick examples. I, I lost it with my dad on the phone when he oh, wasn't like yeah. when he wasn't um, extremely ecstatic about a small. It was a small opportunity that we were waiting for, yeah. and like the pl- like a plumber or something came at the same time on the phone, and he wasn't like his reaction wasn't satisfactory to me because we were in the fringe bubble. Yeah. And like you said, those little things equal massive yeah, they things. they mean so much there. to you. But it really, yeah. it's it, you know, I'm glad because my dad, he's very happy for me, but he does keep me grounded, and he always has growing up. And so, but I lost it with him, and I just went nuts. And I had a couple of meltdowns at people I would never normally do. Um, and then here in London the other week, I was saying to Jenny that I just basically came home and I was like I'm always wearing a heavy backpack I'm always walking around London with a backpack What's and like that? I slid down the fridge and I was like why am I doing this um just like you know going from tutoring to this to that to that, trying to get yeah, by yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know because it's lovely to be able to be an opportunity be in a position now where I'm, I might be getting a few auditions and things and I'm yeah. super grateful for that but that means like now that I, I'm not kind of contracted in a job or anything it means like now it's an unpaid day of work and yeah it's How that that's been hard now? and so but um backpack day I remember like I had two lovely housemates who came and just talked to me a lot I mean the the old the old you know cliche of talking things through helps but actually I thought a bit deeper about this and it's just I've I just know I I accept that they're going to happen I just know that I will will have those days so I accept it in advance Mm -hmm. and I basically think about that philosophy of it won't last forever so I always go I'm going to feel like this now but by this time next week will I feel like it by this time in a month will I feel like this and by this time in a year will I and having had all those that research of past years gone by the answer is always no you won't it's it's actually part of life that you're going to go through you will feel you have to feel this pain because there's a reason why this is happening and you know there's this this is part of your journey basically but it won't last forever that literally single-handedly is it just knowing it won't last forever but feeling it because if you're able to feel all that stuff then you're able to feel really good things when that happens so that's it really but that's, I mean, that is amazing. And uh, to, acceptance has come up a lot in this yeah. podcast already. Like I, like, I like that, like accepting that, you know, these things are going to happen. And, you know, this whole this too shall pass mentality mm. of just like, it, it's hard to see it in the moment. Um, it's hard. And, and feeling it, that's because a lot of anxiety, um, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but in terms of your response to it, mm. is sometimes like all the more like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you worry yeah. because you know it's coming. Or it's a bit like that thing of I was talking to someone earlier about how if you see a child hurt themselves, and we were saying like we're not parents yet, but we're we're about, we're an uncle and an auntie, for example, mm. and 
and, we, and I've been a teacher in the situation where you see a kid fall over and I see parents and this is not me being critical of parents they go run and they might be like oh no and or other teacher make a fuss mm. and then that makes that kid go ah because they're gauging the reaction yeah yeah and it's the same thing Something of like if you yeah it's a bit like how you react to yourself isn't it if you're mm. going to go ah, and get into a tears and dr- dramatize it then it makes mm. young it makes it seem like more of a thing mm. then we're just going okay i'm feeling this i'll talk it over but it's kind of just a, it's just a little fall like you mm. know what i mean mm. um yeah. And it's really human. The other yeah. thing I do, sorry, just really no, quickly, yeah, and this yeah. might help, this is, again, yeah, a very basic mind. thing, is just, like, literally go online and Google stories of um, famous failures. <laughs> I mm. love doing that. That's so I'm like, people who have failed, and then I Google and I read, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Why Michael Jordan's here, get out the team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. There's <laughs> been some amazing stuff, like some, um, I think Jimmy Kimmel did a whole montage of comedians who've bombed, and I think you're doing a radio show about and ba- something to do with Oh, yes, it's the comeback of, like, people who will, um, who you know people will come on the show and they'll discuss like comebacks people things they never got to say mm. they wish they'd said or whatever at the time or so like, there will be some reflecting on hard times I'm sure that's great <laughs> I mean it's really again really important do you guys watch Queer Eye? I bloody Bits love Queer Eye it. love yeah. it it's great and um, Kima not Kima not Kima at all Camaro, Camaro Brown I am so sorry for getting your name wrong crossed it a letter tried to fill in the gaps wasn't it at all um but i've kept it in just because i really like your advice and i think you're all incredible and queer eyes ace so yeah huge apologies i'll remember it forever now and back to the advice there's this thing about failure like fade like there's not success and failure like failure is embedded in success yeah. yeah you know this kind of thing so like riding the lows with the highs and you can't achieve success without failure yeah yeah or will smith says you know fail forward fail early fail often the good old will smith i mean he's a failure expert now guys <laughs> yeah, he and uh, he knows what he's doing but that fail forward thing is something i was teaching on a life school life skills course for oh, children amazing. actually wow. and it's just that whole thing of basically like that acceptance you are going to like don't yeah. to don't avoid it it yeah, is guaranteed yeah. if you're going to get to where you want to go amazing that's amazing I've um, also found yeah. I I, um, I made a list this year because I turned 29 and my flatmate had done a 30 before 30 thing really recently so I made one when I turned 29 and I'd had a really bad time anxiety wise up till my birthday and since then it's helped a lot because I find a lot of it comes down in sort of idle moments when you don't have a lot to do mm. and then if you give yourself a whole bunch of things that you know you need to do this year and a lot of them are just things like learn French or go swimming this many times or yeah. learn all the countries in the world or discover this many things in London you didn't know about yeah. and it means at any moment where you're sat with nothing to do but think about how the things you're worried about or the things that aren't working you just go well I'll go to that list and try and do three mm. of those or try and progress a couple of those forwards totally. so I found just giving yourself a list of things that you can occupy your brain with at any time mm. is really good because then you feel like you're nudging forward your own personal project whatever it might be even at a time when you when you're bored or when you're stressed or when you're worried you yeah. just go okay well I'll try and push those forwards that's, that's brilliant. been really I helpful like your own personal project you can yeah. like no, try and come not up with a few of those goal oriented yeah they're just <laughs> things of like try and do this this year yeah if you can and a lot of them very rooted in just fun. Yeah, like, just, just, just fun it. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you, are you going to learn all the what? what uh, I've learned all the countries in the world, but now I have to keep them in my head until May, which I didn't really think about. I should have saved you that one until later. Yeah, I have to test it to make sure I've done it. Oh my god! 
Uh, I don't know. I don't know is who's going to test me. You're particularly who. excited about. Uh, I've got to go abroad at some point this year. I've told myself. Good. So I don't know where I'm going to go, but well, I've got you, to do that. And you took yourself off for a few days, didn't you? Oh, um, I went to the Peak District for a week on my own. Which you kind of booked <laughs> so, kind of a low time, and then you were yeah, like, actually, I'm feeling better. Yeah, I booked better. it when I was feeling bad, and then by the time the holiday came around, I was like, I feel great now. But yeah, I'll just go to the Peak District was for a week. Was it great? It was lovely. Yeah, I went to a cave. Uh, went up a mountain. Yeah. Went to. That was it. <laughs> went to a cave and went to a mountain. Really nice. They're pretty really, epic really things nice. to have yeah. done. Um, uh, let me know, yeah, if you're struggling with time. I'm almost thinking now, um, what, everything you said has been really good. And I'm wondering if talking to Dave about maybe doing a part one or a part two. So right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so let's do, let me think about just rounding it up. Um, I think we've, we've done some really good tips actually already. Um, do you think, like, what do you think the Fringe experience in general, like, uh, could, you know, are there ways that you think it could better support you guys in terms of being artists up there? Do you think it, as an organisation, does a good job already? Are there, or just, like, things we were talking about, like, uh, communal ways of um, just making the process easier on everyone, like, and remembering all those high zones? What, any... Yeah, I mean, there's, there are things on offer. I think, I think um, it's diff- there's so much to get done at the Fringe, or you feel like there is, that you have to be okay with not being able to get to those things if you can. But I know Fringe Central does put talks and yeah. put things on. Does and it? That's yeah, fantastic. I think they could... It, what I, I mean, I, I feel, think that there are lots of things there. I've been to some talks that are really poor, poorly attended, and some of them were brilliant. And if they had more, a, a bit more space there where... You know, of course, like, wouldn't we all love to have our own personal counsellor or something? But, you know, something where talk-based, maybe at Fringe Central. But I just think it, if Fringe Central just did a bit more work on, like, getting word out there about what's available or made it Interesting, a little yeah. bit more... I feel like people don't go so much... There's so much they need to get done. It doesn't feel yeah. like a sexy thing to do to go to Fringe Central and attend the <laughs> yeah. talk. So if they can sexily market, sexily market. Um, Fringe Central and make something there, like a talking space, or do something where... There could be someone you can go and talk to or... I don't know what, but I mean, I feel like, you know, it's good to just build your inner resources and your own tool yeah. bag while you're up there because actually, actually, there's only so much something like Fringe Central or the Fringe yeah, can do. Yeah, I don't think they yeah. can do a lot because I think you know? most of what is difficult about the Fringe is caught up partly with the kind of the media circus that surrounds it mm. and that's not even any fault of theirs, that's their job. Yeah. And it's partly in the kind of the companies and the brands that sort of run the fringe now and the fact that it's very profit driven and right. if you're in a paid venue you're going to end up losing a lot of money and think that's a big anxiety yeah. thing wow. for a lot of people and stuff wow, yeah. so I kind of think there are all these systems in place up there now that just mean it is difficult and mm, they're yeah. going to be pretty tricky to change or challenge and then there's the way in which people engage with social media up there and that becomes a difficult thing and that's ingrained in people's brains so I think the the only way to cope with it is to just sort of work hard on it with your, within your own networks of people and just exactly find people saying, yeah. who feel the same as you yeah. and come up with quite wholesome things to do with them and ways of disengaging from the yeah. fringe and ways of not caring about that side of things. Yeah. I don't think there's a lot that Fringe Central or anybody else can do to look after you. Yeah. your mental yeah. health when you're up there because it's all based on things outside of their control. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it's just looking after yourself and finding a group of people that you get on with well enough and that think the same really yeah 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 that's and and isn't there a big famous quote maybe it's gandhi i don't know like change starts with you or you be the change you want to see in the world kind of thing just example good behavior and yeah and just um yeah just look after yourself Mm. um 
uh, what are you most excited about this year and what is uh, maybe a personal challenge for you that you're going to be particularly working on this year like what do you think um, most looking forward to just because I'm doing a half an hour it's a free fringe venue obviously I will make that half an hour good of course. but I just am really excited about not having this huge as huge a pressure on my shoulders to enjoy other shows at the mm-hmm. fringe I'll be doing one or two BBC blue tent events maybe oh, nice. which is quite cool yeah, yeah. Um, and I feel really excited about those Presenting um, one will be a, a live podcast oh, which nice. I'll be doing yeah. and then the other one is pending but hopefully will be at the end of god that sounds so knobby I can't believe I said what? that pending. Uh, pending as in I think I think I've got another event where I'll be doing some I'm comedy pending, darling. <laughs> I know darling. a pending BBC event no so a couple of but that's nice because it's like they're two it's two other ac- like activities are yeah. separate from my own show that I'll be doing mm. um, and also that I'm excited to do those you know um, and just see actually I really want to see more free fringe stuff I know I think a lot of people say that every year but okay. I'm, I, I know like the the producer of Riot Girls um, yeah. sent uh, so lovely Donna who basically came to my show and you know was like oh there's this project we think we be involved in um, Gary himself, Gary Rach, who's, who um, is the head of Brown Eye Boy, said, you know, I've always encouraged people to see Free Fringe. I always try and mm. see Free, Fr- Free Fringe, um, which is what my show was. He says, because basically that's where you get the kind of the kind of craziest, like less overproduced, like more interesting stuff. And that's and as a result, he produces like mischievous TV and he's that's his taste, you know. Mm. And like, so I'm really trying to get that Gary philosophy and just be like, yeah, I want to see like stuff that is that is different I just saw the Gilbert and George um, exhibition and they reminded me of the kind of uh, they have their Ten Commandments and they have some brilliant like things about what their Ten Commandments are of art and what and, and how to live your life I don't um, know Gilbert and George I have to look oh, Gilbert and George are a brilliant, yeah. art, brilliant artist duo um, wow. who did a lot of kind of activism through their own oh, cool. own work amazing uh, yeah and, but basically like just trying to live that philosophy of like seeing which literally what was on the fringes cool. trying to not go against the mainstream I've got brilliant people who do brilliant shows in those in those venues so I'm going to see them anyway but just concentrate on that a bit more try and nice. follow mm. that through yeah sounds brilliant yeah sure um, I think I'm looking forward to similar to you really just having mm. a, a different shaped fringe where less feels like it's on me to carry it because I'm yeah. in a show rather than taking up my own show yeah. it feels less like I'm going to be stuck in my own head every day and less mm. like everything's on me and my own Mm. sense of who I am if it goes well or badly it's more that's a thing you can share with the other people you're doing the play with so I think that would be really nice to be one part of a show rather than the entirety of it Uh, and challenges for myself Um, I'd like to go to the beach I'd like to go to (laughs) I've never been to the beach in Edinburgh there you go I mean you're gonna yeah last year a couple of friends of mine went there and met a dog that was very scared of them and its owner said that the dog had never seen anybody swimming in the sea before <gasps> people don't go and do it wow so that'd be nice that's be nice mad. to go so you're going to go in the sea going to go and swim in the sea because apparently, apparently yeah. people don't do it well and I've heard that's like a, um, I think do you know the comedian Jack Rook yeah like, yeah Yeah. so he did this programme on I think it was to do with men's mental health specifically but he did this at, they have a sport where they go, go swimming in deeply cold water in the highlands and it's really good for your mental health oh great because it's, mm. it's such a sensation yeah yeah yeah. Clears the brain. Yeah, you kind of shock yourself. So, oh, that's what, a good I mean, tip. so I'll do that at some point. I'll go <laughs> yeah, I'll be Make sure there's loads really of good. friends around you yeah. to cheer you on. Um, great. And yeah, I think that will that will that will do. It's yeah, a challenge. I think generally I just try and just go up and um, see what happens. Really, try not to plan too much and see yeah. what shows crop up. Try and see all my friends' shows. Yeah. Mm. Try to create as much time as possible where I'm just 
socialising with people and not doing fringe-related things because mm. you don't want to get too stuck into it. Mm-hmm. And try and eat vegetables. I yes. mean, I've heard that's hard. It's I've very heard that's hard. You've got to go to Redbox Noodle a lot. Yeah. Right. There's one noodle place that's very good at getting you your vegetables and everywhere else is pretty tricky. Do we know the name of that noodle place? Uh, Redbox Noodle. Redbox Noodle. Really, oh, that really is good. their name? Yeah, that's I was just called. imagining, like, just get a Redbox Noodle. Yeah, noodles. you get them in, in a Redbox. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and, yeah, just to round everything off, really... Um, that all sounds so healthy and balanced and also and just like from an audience perspective just you know holding your hearts that like you know people are so grateful for what you're doing like yeah. so this this she getting up there playing yeah. being you know eccentric trying things out that is let alone like the immense quality of what I know both of you guys do like that alone is such a gift to people yeah. and I think like relishing that as part of your journey as, the, as well as kind of you know immersing yourself in all the other things oh that's nice about. that's a nice um, little gift to yeah, take away oh I'm glad yeah. thank you so much no thank, thank you. you for sharing it's called thank you for sharing is that the name yeah. great thank you for sharing <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd love you if you're willing uh, later on this year maybe next year come on just for a, on your own talk yeah. about all the things yeah that'd be lovely and then possibly a post um, fringe show as well depending on availability um, and you know just kind of a get like a debrief really yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but we're champion, championing you all the way. Oh, yeah. thank, thank you, you so much. much. Thank yes. you for having thank us. Yeah, thank you. Bye. And that was episode one, part one. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you got a lot out of it. Uh, tune in next time for part two, where we'll be talking to the multi-talented actor, writer and comedians, Helen Monks and Alice Marshall both dear friends of mine and both taking up shows to the Edinburgh Fringe this year and we'll be hearing about their shows their highs and their lows and their self-care tips this has been a great big owl podcast production produced by Dave Cribb thank you Dave and the whole team for helping me to develop this and helping me share it out the logo image was created by Ellie Novella who also wrote and performed the theme song and who's also been an essential collaborator in getting this podcast off the ground and she will be interviewed in an upcoming episode so massive thanks to her Thank you also to Toby Lloyd and Marco Chio for helping me learn to use a microphone and editing software. Uh, Dave is also at the Edinburgh Fringe uh, doing many an exciting show. He's ace. Absolutely ace. I know one of them is a musical and I will plug the others at the end of the next episode. Uh, Yes, so thank you there, Marco and Toby, for the extra help in getting this podcast off the ground in time for the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, Thank you for sharing. And... That's the end. Thank you for sharing. If you've been affected by anything we've talked about on our podcast today, there are a list of mental health support telephone helplines and websites listed on our podcast show notes for professional advice and support.